commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! Core World News. You may fire when ready. From Starlight Beacon, I'm Greg Kondak, and you're listening to Core World News. Your holiday news show of in-depth coverage for the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to a Reading Raftar special. This week, Ben, Grant, and Adam plunge deep into Star Wars The High Republic, The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. Oh, Right. Thank you, Grex. It's another A plus effort. Really appreciate it. (laughs) I'm really excited to be here this week. It's been a long time coming. Um, We're finally going to cover The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. It is going to be amazing. Buckle up because it's going to be a fun ride. We're going to dive right through this whole novel and get into theories and like just out of references and lore bombs and Sith artifacts and like the whole nine, like all of my favorite things. So vote, just... vote now. If you want us to go through this chronologically, if you <laughs> want us to talk about scenes randomly at random or just our favorite things about the books, but we'll first get into first impressions. Right guys. I think we but, should um, maybe, well, first wait, of all, to do the title. overview overview. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's right. Uh, um, yeah, why don't you do the overview first, Grant? Let's this is back. the second book, right? Second book in the uh, the first phase of adult novels. Um, the first book being The Light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell. The second book is now The Rising Storm by Captain Scott. We read it, I think, in the last four weeks we read it. Uh, it was fantastic. It was uh, a wonderful read. A quick overview of the book. Uh, sometime after the hyperspace disaster and the d- dedication st- ceremony at Starlight Beacon, Chancellor So and her committee organize a Republic Fair showcasing the ingenuity of the Republic's greatest engineers and artists as a sign of promise and potential offered by a more unified Republic. Just as, as the festivities are underway, a Nile assault tears through the event, bringing destruction and trauma to all attending. But the Jedi guardians and peacekeepers of the Republic rise to defend the fair and many whose lives are at stake. Striking fear in the heart of millions across the galaxy and bringing discord to the Jedi, the Republic and Jedi organize a retaliatory strike against the Nile stronghold on Grizz- Grizzle. Once engaged in the sky and on the ground, a Grizzle, a greater threat is realized. Very, very good yeah. synopsis. This Perfect. is just so you know where you are um, in this book. Hopefully you've read it already if you're listening to this and we can talk about it. If not, if you just want the cliff notes, you're going to get a, some zany cliff notes. That's essentially what happens, but we're going to get into all the really cool details um, of this book that Kevin Scott blessed the Star Wars galaxy with. Um, all right, first impressions. What uh, what do you got? Uh, we'll start with Adam. No, oh, thanks. Uh, it's you know, for a story, I was trying to think, having read it what a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking in my head like, what happened? I was in my mind, I was trying to do it. Grant did a summary, and it's a very straightforward book. In terms yeah. of plot wise, it's it's some amazing things happen, but the plot is like the Jedi throw a fair, the Nile attack the fair, right? In, in really like simple terms. But man, was it a ride. And there was so much character development in this book and so many interesting twists and turns. And it did exactly what the second book or a second part of a trilogy should do, which is, you know, build on the first part. And get you very, very, very excited for what's going to come next. Yeah, it's still really like the first. We're still in phase one here. Um, and I guess we have one more book in phase one also. Yes. Um, yeah. And 
they, you know, so they're still doing character development here. And what better way than to throw an like unimaginable amount of chaos and strife at these Jedi to sort of understand who they are and then like draw in these really cool ancillary characters um, that are going to help the story go. I almost feel comfortable stating that this is the kind of most intense examination of the Jedi doctrine, long form examination of the Jedi. Yeah, we've got. Yeah. From, from for the sure. official source, Lucasfilm. And right. I mean, I, I definitely feel that too. But I'm in my brain, I'm trying like to sort it like years wise because it's like there is the Jedi doctrine that we know from like essentially the fall of the Jedi during the Skywalker saga. Um, but this is a different one. It's like the most pure. You're right. It's the most pure doctrine, right? This is right. like it's examining like the religion or the, the covenant of the Jedi. Right. Yeah. When they have but, nothing else to focus on but themselves. Right. But they did such a good job of each individual Jedi talking about their interpretation of the doctrine. I yeah. love the fact that, like, no matter how clear the doctrine is written, it could be a single sentence and there's going to be a thousand different interpretations of exactly what that means. It's It brings me back to Anakin, but love, you know, <laughs> but love is the greatest. So what was his line? Uh the, the Jedi remember. are encouraged to love. To love, yeah, his whole. Which, so you could say it's right. central to the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so Anakin's. It's funny you bring him up because I, you know, we talked about this off air, but to me, they like they're all like Anakin or worse as far as like they're the yeah. loose like interpretation of of the Force. I mean, Elzar, man, we're gonna get into that naughty boy. Uh huh. But it, it feels like it's no holds barred. It's like it's examining the true like human condition. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the sort of all the, the complexities of emotion and, and love. And you bring up love, which is so interesting, because I feel like in this book, you sort of get that secret sauce of Star Wars, which is exploring the covenant, the Jedi and in all these ways. But also you get um, you get to explore these relationships between them and how they talk about no attachments, but they're all very much attached to one another. And um and they grow and evolve together and kind of any what you what's wonderful about these books is you get to explore these this trio, this, these characters who are Padawans together, who are now older and how their how their you know relationships have evolved over time. And that's super interesting because we get snippets you know, of relationships in the, uh, the saga films, but they're they're cut off. Right. There's always there's always great tragedies and drama that occur that, that kind of sever bonds. And so this is fun yeah. to see. These people are together for so long. Yeah, we've never really and, seen that, right? Yeah. We've never we've never seen three Jedi who came up together, right, as Padawans through this. Like, what would it be like as they became, you know, knights and masters? Yeah. Right. And um, we, you know, Kevin Scott uses the term firebrands for yeah. for the three for Avar, mm -hmm. Chris, Elzar, Man, and Stellan Geos. Um, this is, I mean, I guess if this were a movie series, these would be our core trio for the, for this run or this story. Um, but yeah, and Grant, didn't you look up firebrands? Like what the actual, yeah, definition? I think it's just people who are passionate to bring a change to, um, society and world, right? It's kind of what a firebrands are like trailblazers. And I think even Kevin Spot Scott even calls Elzar man, a trailblazer at some point in this book. And it's, it's, it's so interesting because if anything's going to shift yeah, across these books, across these these three phases, I think it's going to all be with Elzar Man. Like he seems to be the central figure to the Force and the fluctuations with the Force. And yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, obviously this book starts with these dark visions that he's had. The, the last book ended with them. I mean, he's he's having these visions in these books. And I think uh, what he's seeing isn't just Valo and what happened there, but also yeah. uh, what's going to happen in the next book and beyond that. I mean, well, I guess we're going to spoil a lot. So pretty much, well, everything really. But I, I, I agree. I think I think what we're going to get in Elzar Man's story is something we've we haven't seen. We haven't seen a Jedi fall at least a little bit and then be redeemed. Right. Like every time we start to see that in the movies, at least like Darth Vader's ultimate redemption is death. Same thing with, you know, um, Ben Skywalker or sorry, Ben Solo. Yeah. Right. We don't we don't get that story. We get hints of it with Luke, but that happens between episodes, you know, six and seven. But I think we're going to see that. Right. I think we get to that point of like he's fallen, like he's used dark powers by the end of this book. Yeah. Right. No, he but, knows what to yeah. do. He's he's yeah. sort of owns up to it and is is willing to to be treated with the help of his friends, yeah. um, which is, a you know, a healthy way to look at it. I, I mean, I hope that's the way it plays out. I like I like Elzar man a lot. Yeah. He seems to have a very strong connection to the Force because I think there's a moment in this book where Stellan sort of has a flashback to his training. Yeah. And Elzar is involved in that moment. And it's in the moment where he needs to, like, change the flight trajectory of a bird. Oh, yeah. I forget what it is. And Elzar pushes the bird. And it's right for Stellan. him because El- he's so yeah. yeah he's so poor with um animals. Yeah. I think Elzar is uh, something something big is going to happen with Elzar. He, I mean. Let's we'll start we'll start at the beginning of this book and then we'll get to the end because there's so much to talk about at the end of this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, especially with Elzar and what happened. But um, uh, yeah, first, I, I will say first just impressions. Did you do yours, Ben? You want no, to like I didn't. Uh, I guess well, that I have so many. I mean, one just to piggyback real quick is the uh the, like how differentiated all the Jedi are. We get such yeah. depth to each of them, and they're so different from one another, and in really cool ways. They're all really special Jedi, yeah. and um, and I I really like all the characters that they've created. I think they're all super super cool, and you know rather than like you know in the Clone Wars we were focusing on a few, and like the rest of them are essentially like lightsaber or laser fodder, and we never really get to know them. Um, the Clone Wars animated series did a little better job, but they kind of all have the same doctrine and sort of believe the same things and. Um, but they're so each Jedi is very unique here, which I really like. Um, but my I guess my my takeaway is like how much cool stuff they did with the dark side in this. And we mm. like how they how they framed the dark side. And there's there's obviously new dimensions of the dark side, new facets of it that we don't understand. I'm curious to know what's happening, like what's happening with the dark side and the Sith right now and at this point. Um, and because I think it's really interesting, we get these really great callbacks to the past and we don't get much hearkening to the future. Um, but I feel like there's going to be some really interesting revelations about dark side, dark side users and the Sith that we, that, that comes out of this story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that's a sort of like cathartic moment at the end. Maybe there's some sort of like. Yeah, Sith uh, character working behind the scenes. Um, I just want to echo your sentiment, Ben, that uh, I love that this book uh, and these books as a whole, that the whole series, The Higher Public, has the courage of its convictions and uses these all the alien species that the galaxy has yeah. to offer in yeah. big and bold ways. Like, who would have thought that a Jedi archivist 
uh, Orbelin would be such a like <laughs> oh awesome character. Oh like, uh, yeah, what an standout Uwar. character. Standout character uh, turns out to be like crucial, like, essential to their uh, the relief effort. Yeah, yeah it's insane. Uh, so cool. I think you know the, the kind of connected to that. What's amazing is they're doing this like multimedia cross platform. I don't know how they're referring to it, but you have all these books, you have all these comics, and I read, I tried to read through this book saying, as I was watching, I was reading it going, what if this is the only thing I was reading? Like, what if I was just reading the quote unquote adult books right through the series? And I think they did a really good job of it being completely standalone, mm -hmm. but with, with not too much exposition, but when like buckets of blood shows up, it's, right. it's funny in that moment, but you didn't realize like if you chose to read the IDW, like you have all these other things. They're doing a really good job of, of being able to have these little nuggets and Easter eggs for people who want to, such yeah. as us, dive into everything being produced by the higher public. If but you, not to the point of just feeling like I'm missing something. I don't think you felt like I don't think you'd feel like you're missing anything if you're just reading these these books. Hundred yeah, percent. If, if you if you hadn't read those books and you for the were, you met Tor, uh, Master uh, Torband Buck for the first yeah. time in these books, he shows up in the most elegant way and is, is such an interesting character in his his uh, relationship with both Stellan Geos and the Chancellor and mm -hmm. it just it's so much more for him to do than I think those High Republic Adventures comics give him and it's it, I, I I would you know if you if you love that character I think this re this is an essential read as well as the comics because you get such great moments with him he has a few chapters where he's trying to heal people he's like yep. I, he's the healer he's the ultimate healer yeah yeah i mean he ultimately saves the chancellor super spoilers but um like that like he was the difference maker there um yeah i love they they did a vernestra Rowe and an emory Kintaros uh yep. right um guest appearance which was great i kind of hoped they'd do a little more because vernestra Rowe is uh pretty bad with lightsaber and a light whip when she wants to be yeah yeah Stellan Geos's Padawan by the way yeah well we're yeah. gonna see we're gonna see it uh uh the Vanessa Rowe um is in the the out of the shadows book by Justina Ireland which is the young adult novel coming out next week right so right. we get to revisit her but yeah I was surprised I thought we'd see a little more um so, yeah at one point in this book they talk about uh Ram Jamaran and Vanessa yeah. Rowe uncovering uh like these Drengar root worlds where like I guess the Nile are seeding Drengar and things like that and it seems like this entire plot just in this like two sentences in this book right I was like I was like is this the other book yeah it might okay. be yeah it might be right. I can't wait to read it yeah It'd be cool if there's some crossover there and we get to see like from Vernestra and Emery's point of view through this battle and um, or and what they were doing leading up and, you know, going out of it. It was just chaos in this thing. And so it was pretty wild. Um, all right. Uh, to the, to the beginning. Um, you know, so I think we start off with some dark side stuff. Like we we see. Um, uh, Martian Rowe taking one of the starfighter pilots off from another storm udi dis which i was just like udi dis are you kidding me yeah um who did who dis? it's udi dis udi dis um <laughs> and udi dis is a uh tower tie which like i just know like if anyone follows us on um on uh discord i just started posting because i always look up all the all the species that i don't know 
anyways. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw him up in a, in a stream on. Um, on I'm so happy you did that because yeah. every time he mentioned wing blades, I was like, OK, yeah, there's wing blade. There's blades concealed in there. And he kind of just like, mm-hmm. yeah, come out I know exactly. like Loki. They just come out. Um. So, yeah. So. Yeah, so the the tower tie are amazing. It's like these hawk people with these yeah. like set of wings. They carry blades like they're it's amazing, and they're naturally uh, force sensitive. And um, it's just this cool looking thing. Like you know that Kevin Scott just flipped through pages and pages and pages and pages of of you know photographs of different species and handpicked these bizarre ones that like you can get away with in a written like um, in a, a written book. Um, so yeah. Um, so they start there and then they they find some person, they go into this cave, they risk their lives. They it's just like a dark force cave trying to retrieve some sort of element, the leveler, um, with the help of one of Marcian Rowe's old friends. Kufa. Kufa. about Kufa. Kufa's an I, incredible obviously character. Talking about Kufa. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like an old crone who lives on this ice world and kind of like I guess she's kind of like a uh, she she's the the guide to She's the guide on the planet. She's also this sort of she's a beast tamer. She has like these these bantha blurred creatures. Yeah. She kind of like oh, drags yeah. around with her. Um, she was frightening. I thought she was she terrifying. Was terrifying. I was like, this is a fantastic opening. Yeah. Any Star Wars. I, it's story. so good. I was all it's in so good. with yeah. that opening because this is <laughs> I mean, it's 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 similar to what we had talked about being the possibility of Rise of Skywalker before we saw it. And the tease we got a little bit of like of Kylo doing the. Well, we know, had to the, set up this world a little bit. This is like Rice Dan or something. Yeah. Like the, yeah, it's like the Badlands of Rice, Rice Dan or something. And uh, it's at the beginning, they talk about the, the the squall spider, this sort of compact light kind of ship that's navigating oh, yeah. through all these like crashing like planetoids and like rocks and stuff like that. And it's just able to navigate. And you're like, the only person to be able to like fly through that would have to be a Jedi. And then what's great about this story is it subverts that. And it's not a Jedi. It's this, it's this pathfinder, this void navigator. Yeah. Um, who is using the force, but yeah. So cool though. Like I was like, yeah. this is a great opening to a star Wars story. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I love learning about these sects and tribes of, of force users that just, you know, like, Oh, they use the force in their own way. Yeah. I mean, makes so much sense that that's the way it would be in the galaxy right if the force was there that you know every culture would probably learn about it in their own way and and, um yeah and and it's it's just really kind of cool um i do want to just squeeze in there it's it's from later on in this book and i'm i doubt i can oh yeah here it is uh i did just pull it um there's this quote that this has about his people and he talked a little bit about the history of the tower tie and how there's like an endangered peoples now and he said, um, Dis had no idea why, but he had heard legends of the Great Call, an army descending on Dragon Wing to cut through the population with their blazing crimson blades. Yeah. And another time and place it would have been called putting down the uh, competition. But back then, over 4,000 seasons ago, it was nothing sort of uh, short of genocide. So a little like just Sith army <laughs> badassery. <laughs> they did yeah, they yeah, have yeah. to ride yeah, dragons? That's- that's accurate to the tales of the Jedi. It is. It so, really yeah, is. They yeah. ride up on creatures and shit. Yeah. Very organic looking kind of vessels. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things I saw there. I have a, most of my pulls from this are just like things I was like, are yeah. you kidding me? But they well, have actually, in both those in both books so far, they have now referenced the the Sith, the Jedi Sith war. Right. At some point. So I'm like, yes, could um, we now that's canon. Like, yes, 
can we once this is successful i i have a theory these are these yeah. books are setting up another war but i'm very interested in this i i, yeah. I love the past i would love you know that i there's it's a large time. galaxy go bo- both ways Let's we'll go get we'll go to the future we go to the past or the future from this point but the past from uh, whatever you know what right. i'm saying no totally um yeah, that's a great pull, uh, Ben, because there's a really fantastic moment where the Tlortai is kind of having this vision quest in mm-hmm. this shrine yeah. and uh, seeing his father in this tribe and 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 feeling like he's so far away from it, right? It's like a tropical world and he's on like an ice planet. Like he's yeah. freezing here. It's not his environment. And uh, it's it's a fantastic moment. Um, do we want to talk about that shrine and like kind of the reveal what we're getting to here? Like this book is really about a new massive threat to the galaxy that's sort of being yeah. brought to play just do a little wormhole here and tie it yeah. to the end why not which is interesting because like they kind of reveal it at the beginning or not reveal it but that's this quest at the beginning and you get like little droplets of mentions and then you almost enough that you don't quite forget about that mission at the beginning and then it's just mm-hmm. like at the very end bam boom it pays off yeah so we know Roe left with something um from that first part and then it killed uh, Udi Dis, R.I.P. Udi Dis. Um, but uh, yeah, and I don't know how he navigated Udi out. Udi deceased. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, sorry, that was great. Um, yeah, and then at the very end, we, I mean, yeah, he on Martian Row re- releases the Hound quite literally. Yeah, the. Yeah. Uh, and the thing's called the leveler. The let's great just, leveler. Let's just talk just about that. The for leveler. A yeah. The leveler. I mean, to me, leveling something means like you're just totally decimating it. You're basically bringing it down to its stem. Well, like it's done. I mean, I, I have a, it's got ten percent of its thing left. Basically, it's leveled. I I mean, that's that's decimator. Well, yeah, that would be a ninety percentimeter. But <laughs> I I looked at a level the other way, as in balance of the force. Yeah. And so I, I was wondering if like this is like the, the galaxy is filled with light side Jedi right now and the leveler comes out to balance the force with the dark side and it just like chews through light side people and creates havoc and chaos until it's a perfectly even mix of light. That's and super interesting. Yeah, that's a fascinating thought. idea. Because then what if like the great leveler was brought out at the end of the of the Jedi Sith war and it actually went after the Sith, right? Because maybe at that point the Sith were more powerful and it does just oh, yeah. chew up whatever whatever force is outweighing the other side of the force. I, I do think the Jedi were involved with the leveler because Udi Dis is force sensitive. He's being brought to the yeah. planet to sort of yeah. unlock the, the shrine and the leveler and things like that. And um, I, I have to think that a Jedi may maybe uh, uh, sort of entombed it there on the ice, or someone force sensitive entombed it there in the ice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we already have precedent from the uh, test of courage that, or no, the the one where they're on the star um, space station with the Drenjir, where we see the Drenjir for the first time. Is that test of courage? No, it's not. Uh... It's, uh, out of the shadows. Out of the shadows. Out of shadows. We know the Sith used some artifacts to keep the Drenger locked away. Right. right. So it makes sense. Maybe they they locked away this as well. I love that idea. Like what we're what we're dealing with now are all these artifacts from the Jedi Sith War coming back to bite them in the butts, right? Like just kind of just yeah. been buried away for for you know millennia. 
Yeah, I think, well, I, I think that book was called Into the Shadows or Into, into the, the Shadows. Into the that's, Shadows. That's, that's right. Not out of yeah. shadows. Into the Shadows. Yeah. Uh, I, that book was incredible. Yeah. It's so good. Um, speaking of the leveler, I love how little we get in terms of description about it. Just wisps, like it's just there and it's moving yeah. fast. It's gone. And the, I just kept thinking of that movie, The Host. Um, oh yeah, the Bong, uh, Bong Joon Ho. Movie. Yeah. I just kept thinking of that monster. And by the way, if, if you have not seen the host, you need to all stop right now. Go watch the host and come back. It's just, so good. Like, yeah. honestly, if you. Yeah, it's one of the. All right, I'll be right back. Gotta go watch you, the host. Yeah, no, honestly, yeah. you really should because my beard's uh, white. When I finish the podcast. It's a great monster <laughs> yeah. and you get a lot of monsters. Oh, and so you, didn't, you don't know how much monster you get until you watch the movie because it's. All yeah. yeah. All right. Well, so good. not having seen the host, I thought of the. Um, the terror dogs from uh, Ghostbusters. That was. Oh, the- I like that. Oh, nice. Yeah, That's yeah, good yeah. imagery. That's good imagery. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't give me the, like the Hydra from um, uh, uh, Willow because I will get there. And Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want to get there, guys. Uh, let's keep that. I'm thinking this is a giant CG thing, almost like a Sumo Vermanoff kind of thing, but like, like very large. I was thinking. Not like planetoid size, but just Godzilla size. Like huge, I would, I would think. Really? Is it yes. like it ran through a corridor and jumped out the plane? That's why I was like, oh, Teradoc. Isn't, it kept, yeah. a, isn't it kept in a hold, basically, like throughout the movie in the gaze electric? Yeah. A well, pretty large hold. I thought it was like kept in a canister. Like, I, Oh, no, it was in ice. It was in a block of ice. Yeah, it's yeah. frozen. How large but is this thing? That's my point. Yeah, that's what I, I love about it is that is they did. He did such a good job of not describing it. It's like a perfect horror movie, right? Like the less you see, it's I mean, not to like whatever. This is so overly stated. But it's like Jaws, right? The less you see it or less it's described to you, the more terrifying because we're all imprinting our own fears and terrors. on right. this. Yeah, thing. I'm terrified of this thing because. Yeah. yeah, there's there's very little description and it's frozen in ice and uh, it, it, but it's like. And at one point they're keeping it on a ship and I'm like, how is it not like ripping things apart, like destroying everything? It's I mean, if like, you look at Wikipedia, the only thing it says is this is its only physical description. It talks a lot about everything else. Physical description is one sentence. The creature possessed claws moving on four legs. Terror dogs. <laughs> That's it. That's all we got. <laughs> OK, there it okay. is. But there, they, they, but they, there is a lot of buildup to like this thing is going to be the actual like result of Elzar's visions and like quite possibly the worst thing ever when it's released on them. And obviously, it turns people to stone and like things like that. It's like terrifying. Yeah, it yeah, it's it, monster. It's amazing because it has like psychological impacts as well as physical impacts on people, right? Like it just yeah didn't Bell... makes people black out and like have their worst like or really just like hallucinate and like see their worst nightmares and like all their fears come true and just like it's like the most aggressive Sith temple in a in a corporeal body. Yeah. See, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking this thing could be a Jedi or a Sith who's like so corrupted or so destroyed Ooh. by emotion, love, or whatever you you see examined in these these other relationships in the book this kind of extreme side of that like that's almost what i thought this this thing was could represent well so udi dis i mean it's kind of fitting that he was like an avian creature because i mean marchian roe used him like a canary in the coal mine right he was the only force adept in the room and he was like all right do your worst because i guess felt like he wasn't going to be hurt by it 
it just clearly hunts uh force users um and yeah i don't know it's it's a it's a really cool like it's so obviously we're at the the end there this is the the threat that's unleashed we were not warned in any of the panels leading up to this about the leveler so it's like yet another terrible you know and that's why i think it's kind of the instantiation of the sith it's this is going to be the catalyst that creates the um a sith movement or a dark side movement among the jedi or something um i don't know yeah wild um should we move on to the the our light side heroes and the characters surrounding the the fair here sure let's do it yeah um, well when we talked about geos and um did Chris, we have like he's yeah, not really. he's yeah he's very much he's very much introduced in this book in a big way and, yeah uh, fascinating character he's very by the book he's uh he's sort of this stern council member who uh who i guess everyone in the republic knows about and idolizes and sort of yep. um he's kind of like a pop star almost in a way, yeah. weird way um most people see him as almost like the uh as like a pretty boy or they want to have a relationship with him or he's kind of like the the, the a bachelor or something like it, it's strange right. like the spectacle on that character and then he is just super altruistic probably um i, I would say the i would say he's probably like the the, the most adherent to the uh the doctrine out of yeah yeah very much so he is sort of the square yeah he also has a bit of imposter syndrome right going on internally which i appreciate right like he questions his his elevation at times he makes decisions and then if it's the wrong decision he is he gives himself no like he is just so hard on himself in moments yeah. in this book where i'm like oh he's totally going to be the one that falls to the dark side out of all these characters really yeah i think dark he is i think he is because he's too tough on himself right like he's just he's just gonna lose it that's the thing all these jedi are so flawed like so yeah. flawed except uh, davar chris except davar chris yeah <laughs> right. yeah and she's not in this book at all no no not at all she's, uh, she's off fighting the genjir on milat milatu milatu yeah preach pretri vitar Master Preeti Vitar, I think, states that. Or Jarl Poof, I think, states that. Jarl Poof. There's a little Jarl Poof in this, too. My man, Jarl Poof. Uh, yeah, so gets good. more more page time than Avar Chris. Um, yeah. That's pretty fantastic. That's interesting. Uh, you think Stellan's going to fall to the dark side. I that That is the rug pull character to do that with. Because yeah. Elzar just falls to the dark side over and over again in this book. Like, yeah, we'll like three times that. a day. We'll get into that. I, yeah, he changes his like light side, dark side affiliation to yeah. his like, underwear. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we can talk about Elzar. So Elzar just straight up has a one night stand with with a assistant here, um, and and it was revealed that he had oh, coordinate uh, coordinator Rayun Samira Rayun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, I thought she, I was dude. I like. I think Kevin Scott is really got as some zesty writing some zesty prose because I, mean, I there's a lot of neck talk and like a lot of neck flicking talk. their hair i was like we this book has got it going on if you want to get some steamy romances like elzar man's like he could have a whole spin-off series honestly yeah <laughs> i mean it's true i i don't have it in front of me but there was a moment where elzar man is thinking back to his indiscretion let's say 
And there's a line where he's like, the act or acts I did last <laughs> night where I'm like, whoa, all right. Oh, hey, like, like, okay. It's, it's like, it's not quite a romance novel, but it's the steamiest I think we've ever seen anyone write <laughs> in yeah. Star Wars, which again, is still not very steamy, but it's, it was interesting. I was like, wow, they're really going there. But he right. really only loves one person. I think yeah. that's made clear in this book. And that's Avar Chris. And yeah. uh, he dances too also close to her and she, she pushes him away. And she's like, we're not Padawans anymore. And I'm, now I'm like, where's that book? Let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They make reference to the Padawan situation yeah. earlier where they were, they were, you know, playing hide the lightsaber and whatnot. <laughs> Definitely some saber, saber lockups could have happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Third saber pun. Sorry, I don't have one. <laughs> there'll, there'll be more. Uh, yeah, for fascinating dude. But I mean, I, Elzar is just. He great. loves. He's a lover boy. He loves. Yeah. He's, he he's, really does love people. Yeah. I mean, in, to, the a interesting, to a fault. But to an a interesting. Yeah, they all beat themselves up in this book. It's. T- it's yeah. Honestly. I never want to be a Jedi, guys. After reading this book, I'm no. like, no thanks. No, thank you. No, not that not that old school <laughs> Jedi. But at the same time, where I'm like, Elzar man. Like, I'm not... <laughs> I'm more troubled with his feelings towards Avar Chris than his one-night stand with... Oh, yeah. The other I, person, because... I don't blame him at all. I thought that was fine. I, I, like, it, to me, the more I read about it, he's I'm on, like... Dude, he's on... The, he's on, uh, on just don't form attachments. Attachments, right? right? It's all about attachments. Like, it just seemed yeah. like there were two consenting adults who decided to, you know, have some fun, and that was it. It was it was good, though. It was fun. Dead air. It was a great chapter. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> Sorry, I was looking for another good, like, Raftar. <laughs> no, but he... he like, Raftar with two backs or something. I just... Oh, there you go. Right, right. Um... A do back, but he do-back. does check on her later. He does check on Samira Leon later, and he goes, "I yeah. just want to make sure you're okay." And she kind of, she's you know, a, she brushes it off. She's like, "I'm, I've got so much to do. Like, please get out of my way." She's yeah, like, "I get it. Don't worry about it. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. fine." <laughs> so he does care about people's feelings to an extent. I think I would say he's the the true like kind of empath of all of them. Yeah. So sort of, well, that's, that's so why like, that's why he shouldn't fall to the dark side, Adam. And I agree with you. I think he should be the one that kind of navigates this, whatever this is, this leveler in the dark side and denial he should help navigate yeah yeah because he sort of feels both sides i mean i think burry aga aga burry who is the uh background of Adam oh yeah Paul. he's the actual empath he's the actual he's, empath literally yeah. he, he's just like sad that everyone yeah any oh. life that's lost burry aga is like wailing he's a sad wookie right he's also like a, he's also a pilot jedi though like i yeah. i yeah. love this book because it brings in like indira stokes and some of these characters who are more comfortable in the air like who'd yeah. rather fly mm-hmm. than be on the ground and i was like Oh, this is incredible. This is a, this is basically what Anakin was all about, but like Obi-Wan never kind of obliged to do that stuff or wanted, you know, to to fly. So it's like they probably on more ground missions. It's like I it, I love the whole pilot Jedi piloting uh, yeah. starfighters. I love that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Except was, I would change the name of uh Elzar's call sign from Laser Bird. I would change it to maybe like Saberhawk or like Saberwing or something. There you go. Like Saberhawk. Of course you will. Saberhawk. Saberhawk. Well, there's already Starhawks in this, so you probably couldn't do Saberhawk. Yeah. There was was a great line in there about the vectors, and it said uh, each vector was a symphony of simplicity. Uh, The prose book is fantastic, by the way. Yeah. Uh, With little, if any, need for computer equipment or sensors, not when it had a Jedi behind the yoke. I love that. that There's like nothing in there because it's like built for Jedi. And they're like, you want to just feel the air and 
that's awesome. It's like blasters, like control yoke, and you're fine. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a beautiful yeah. line. I did highlight that as well. Mm-hmm. That's a great line. Yeah, but Indira is the Indira Stokes is a standout in many ways, but uh, definitely her piloting prowess sets her uh, apart, which is and cool. and not the only Thothlothian we get in this book. No, we get another right. really new character, guys. Or Imperial Alarm sound. Cue Imperial Alarm. <laughs> uh, find that. Ty Yorick, guys. I, yeah. Introduction of the sellsword, Ty Yorick, who uh, underemployed in the beginning, uh, this early chapter, she loses her lightsaber, which I thought the pros were gorgeous when, when she fights the Drenger, retrieves her lightsaber. But then later on, when you get the whole Mentessa Claren story, um, where she's this bodyguard, and but becomes sort of has really interesting to see like the, the client relationships that she forms like with the people yeah. she meets that's so cool i was like this is great stuff um which is pivotal to the plot you find out that she's her next mission after uh the drenger um opening yeah. introduction of the character is is it's kind of pivotal to the plot and obviously she becomes entangled with Elazar man and that's so cool and i really want to see that relationship develop and i, I hope they yeah you know, work together in future books like i mean that is gas and fire right there yeah i I, you know as you say like elzar is not really an empath he's just like a mood coaster like he's yeah he's like a mood ring but a person yeah he just feels just outward just like feels emotions like really strongly and then you have ty who's a marginalized jedi who is you know i don't know how they got like like they're like oh there's only a few like jedi that have left the order but apparently it happens all the time and she just sort of fell out uh you know ty York sort of fell out of the academy as a padawan right and then became a beast slayer which yeah. is amazing and um and you know generally just like a sword for hire a cell sword um, yeah and and interestingly enough, like, you know, they they're like, oh, yeah, Elzar Man and Selen Geos are like, you know, these firebrands of the order. But she handles them in lightsaber co- combat, presumably yeah. because she uses hers in life or death situations more often than not. But she's super formidable. But like her attitude is sort of, you know, really she's drawn back to the light side of the force. Like and, and it looks like she craves that sort of doctrine and that discipline. But her life just doesn't entertain that. It's life or death out there for her, and she makes her own ethos and sort of. Um, yeah, I think she's secretly pro Jedi. I think that's kind yes. of clear in the yeah. book where she's like, "Oh, this could be a threat to the Jedi. I better tell them about it. Like, I better contact them. But I don't want the Jedi yeah. to fall." And which yeah. is fantastic because it's like it seems like even though her experience was jaded and she left the order, like she still thinks what they do is, is for good. And to right. Yeah. She's the closest thing to a Jedi Han Solo, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, like, it, like trying to pretend not to have a heart. Right. And it clearly yeah. is all heart. <laughs> yeah. She's right. Like a hunt. Yeah. Very we're going to see a lot more of her. Um, she's going to have her own comic book series, oh, IDW, The Monster of Temple Peak. And I think she's also in the Crash Point Tower book, Race to Crash Point Tower, which we'll be covering in a few weeks, which is the Daniel Jose Alder young adult reader or junior novel, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. But we'll cover that next, I think, right? Like that's the next novel. Yeah. 
Very cool. Um, okay, so we covered the the sort of uh, Elzar Man gets visions. We go to Rystan, we see the ice fields, we find the leveler, uh, kind of the Martian Row, and the uh, the Nile are kind of raising this, this beast from that, from the past back to life um, to, to kind of bring destruction. Uh, but we also we also have these like the higher up commanders of the the, the Tempest Runners of the Nile, the uh, mm-hmm. Panada, Lorna D, and then Zetar, Zetar. standout character yeah. in this book. Yeah. Guys, Dude, so, um, yeah, <laughs> Ben, you did the you sent us the Telpini pictures. Yeah, it's Telpini. <laughs> thank you. And I was like, so Telpini's like the short, bald people from uh, Rogue One. There's one like he throws a grenade or something. <laughs> he has a massive like on that's what Zetar is. And um, and then what is um, what's Panada? He's a he's is that Duwutin? He's Duh, a giant, yeah, giant, giant yeah. species from Force Awakens in the container. Right. And, and Lorna yeah. is a Twi'lek. Yeah, uh, yeah. All on the high, all storm chasers or storm runners or and, uh, and so Tempest then, brothers. Yeah. yeah. Tempest and I forgot brothers, to so. I forgot to mention this in the overview, but there is the attack on the Cycor shipyards and the Innovator early on by like the Starbreaker, who I think is uh, oh, yeah. cloud, cloud the cloud strikes like under um, Panada. Panada. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, yeah. under. And that uh, was Panada's raid. I think he was can he was kind of like um, the tactician on that raid, but yeah, it failed obviously because there's Jedi involved, um, and uh, and the Cyclorian Star Ox are not to be underestimated. And uh, the Cyclorian, I loved Cyclor. I, I loved oh, yeah. all. I loved all the descriptions of watching them build ships and and sort of and Bell Zetafar story uh, with Indira Stokes and. Um, yeah, that, that whole st- all that stuff was awesome. I was like, this is very cool. This whole right. innovator, which is a giant. We should mention that the innovator is this sort of giant ship, this exploratory vessel, the science vessel being built by the Republic to explore the frontiers of deep space and sort of gather intel and report back to the core. And it's like one. I think it's the first of its. Uh, yes. Model, and do you do you recall what it looks like? <laughs> yeah, it's like this giant arrowhead it's like a star destroyer it's, 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 it sounds yeah. like an early star, star destroyer, destroyer. <laughs> yeah when they said yeah, like totally. it's a giant arrowhead i'm like oh my gosh is this the first star destroyer <laughs> yeah. but it, I mean, it's like just a science vessel which is sort yeah. of fun. but it makes sense right like all of the ships that we think about the imperials flying are from the republic right starting right. the republic era yeah. Um, OK, but hold on. We got to go back to Zetar because we buried the lead with Zetar. <laughs> and that's his colossal power suit right, yes. that he wears. <laughs> See, that's the whole thing. Is, syndrome. I, I, I didn't yeah. want to say anything, but uh, like there is some real there's some there's all these kind of pulls pulls from like, you know, like Godzilla and like Kaiju sort of horror yeah. flicks yeah. and stuff like that. Monster flicks in this in this book. And it's fitting because uh, Kevin Scott just announced he's doing the Pacific Rim uh comic oh, series and i couldn't hilarious. help but but talk about that totally. with you guys because he's yeah. I, it's not star wars related but he's doing pacific he's and I was totally like, like he's a jaeger for that they're he's, called jaegers right yeah. yeah yeah why do i know that why is that in yeah. my brain because people drift and that's cool <laughs> they drift <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're into that uh the sequel to pacific rim is highly underrated by the way <laughs> i will stand by I... that I, yeah, because Charlie Hunnam doesn't really like pull his weight in that first one. So no. John Boyega is well, so, so special. That sequel knows exactly what it is, and Boyega yeah. knows exactly what movie yeah. he's in it and does exactly what he needs <laughs> nice. to do in that movie. Nice. The first one felt like like on a, 
anime like uh kind of rip it, it felt like it was really trying to mimic anime like the style yeah. of the that director. that movie lost me in two places one all the fights are at night and two they decided yeah. they decide to pull the giant sword that kills everyone in the last act where i'm like you had that sword the entire time <laughs> guys i didn't want to derail us into a pacific rim <laughs> we're doing it guys we're doing we're it. not making this but, a pacific rim part anyway yeah. Anyways, I think it was that that sort of skewed my vision of the leveler because um, I, you know, I finished the book a week and a half ago. So I, I realized he was watching. He was writing Pacific Rim. And I was like, you know what? Is this all like some kaiju stuff that's going to happen like, in the next book? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. I'm into it. A hundred percent. That would be uh, a terrifying leveler if it was like, yeah, kai or like, yeah, if it was that large, like yeah. Godzilla Sith monster would be crazy. <laughs> I'm sure, sticking with right. the host from the host. Yeah, yeah, I like the host because the host gets bigger, right? Like as it, it our souls it's like, it's or like people. in between kaiju size and like, uh, you know, devil dog from Ghostbuster size. But so are <laughs> we thinking as it devours Jedi, it will get bigger and just become this snowball effect? Ooh, I like that terror. So just feeds on the light side and gets bigger and bigger. Oh my gosh! Until it's like super verminoth size and just like <laughs> yeah, swallows. Yeah. 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 They talk about it like it's that, though. That's like that's how I think Marshawn Rowe and Kufa are kind of like the subtext there. I'm like, this thing sounds like it's going to change the galaxy. I was like, how's this thing going to change the galaxy if we deploy it on one world? Like, I don't I don't get how that works. Because I think it's unstoppable. And like once it's released, it just it travels like a pandemic, right? Like one host. Like, like Rathtar? Is it just like, like a Rathtar where it just. But it like, like can't be contained. Over the place? Yeah. And it's just like it just you know, pinballs between force users as far as it can go. That's fascinating. Yeah. There's going to be ghost ships and like, it's mm -hmm. going to be nuts. Mm -hmm. All right. So all that, there's all that infighting on the Nile with the Nile, you know, uh, pan, panada and Zitar, uh, kind and of D. talking trash. So Lorna D is definitely like the most capable of the Tempest runners. It seems like kind of the one yeah. who's, who is really just going to probably take over the whole thing at some point. And actually she's getting her own uh, audio novel. She's picking her moment. She yeah. voiced that in the book. She's like, I am waiting to take, yeah, it. I'm ready and, to take uh, the gaze electric and Oracle, but that's later. But yeah, I, the name drives me nuts for some reason. Lorna D. Yeah. Hey, she's from this Tennessee. D woman. She girl. seems to be a general of the Nile. I was like, I was like saying that out loud to myself. I was reading the book and I was like, yeah. really? Yeah, shouldn't she like, be like some <laughs> tricks or something? Yes. Like? Oh, I, I realize why it drives me nuts. It makes me think of Lorna Dune. Oh, okay. The cookies. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. That sounded like I, uh, any, any, any utterance of Dune. I got very excited because I just watched oh. the trailer, trailer today. And it was different sorry. Dune, I think. Oh, is there a new trailer? Out? Like, yeah, there is. Ooh, I'll have to watch that. Drop today. Um yeah, so, so I like Lorna D though. I think she's a cool yes, character. I like that character. She actually poses a threat. I'm actually scared of mm -hmm. I'm actually worried about that character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas the other characters, Pain Ada is not gonna take on a Stellan or like a Elzar. Elzar yeah. they would stomp Pain Ada. Well, but Lorna D, like like she proves to be just lethal in this book. And it's yeah. awesome. Like it's just a great moment. And then uh she's she turns out to be a really fun character in this book. Whereas yeah. Pain Panada turns out to be like a chump. Yeah, just, like launches out in super jump pod. but survives this book, guys. He'll yeah. be back. He'll be back, and he's going to like the place the Duwatans would never want to go. 
Did that? Did you get? Oh no, he's going back to, to Wadi. He's going. Oh, back okay, to back plant. to Wadi. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I just, like hide out in there. I somehow missed that he survived. <laughs> I swear I read this book, guys. I, I swear, swear he survived. I swear. No, he you, guys, I, you guys are right. I'm sure you're right. I just he, was like, yeah. his um, he he built an escape craft in the center of his ship. So when it rockets it out, it just like tears a hole through the ship and destroys everyone on it except for him, which is fine. And then he like yeah. goes, and he has to go like very what Nile. They believe in nothing. You so. mean the Elegentia? Yes, the Elegentia. Wow, you got all the names, Grant. So yeah, impressed. That's impressive. But he's I not like the name. The, I think Kevin Scott has great names. For a he's not in good shape, though, right? <laughs> like, isn't he like coughing up blood and stuff? By oh him? yeah, he's poisoned. Oh he's right, because he's poisoned. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of infighting, anyways, between these. You know, the the Tempest Runners. Um, yeah, Zetar bites it. He doesn't make it. Uh, no, well, that's let's, like let's, the, let's the third. The fair, though, always before we before Zetar before we take out Zetar, he's like my favorite character. Right. Don't take don't take Zitar from me so quickly. Sorry. I yeah. So here we get set. He's sort of like the drummer of Spinal Tap. It's, they just I think like every book they're going to go through another like third Storm Runner. So well, here's the setup yeah. for the fair. So about a year ago there was a giant terrorist attack, <laughs> um, and then they decide to do a giant fair and are kind of worried that the terrorists are going to attack again, and the terrorists attack again. As it would happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, there's an incredible moment in this book where uh, uh, a senator from Sullust named Tia Toon, yeah, who um, is, I guess, somewhat related, connected to the Soros sub corporation. And I guess the, the, the Sullusts are like hyper capitalists and want to just keep building ships and having contracts. Right. And well, we know they, in, in the there could, be, there could be ulterior motives involved, but right. she wants to start uh, the defense Oh, God, defense force program or i don't know what it's yeah called. the no, dfp the defense DFP. Force. Yeah. okay great that's what it's called um but, she wants to start that she wants the republic to have an army and then chancellor says like no like like and it's like shuts this character down early in the book like no way like we don't need an army we don't need to worry about security like we're gonna have a republic we're gonna have a fair guys we're gonna call all the planets right. all the luminaries and artists and engineers from all these worlds and we're going to have a fair and we're going to yeah. unite the galaxy and this character is like uh this is a bad idea yeah. we just had a hyperspace disaster wars on multiple planets yeah with a new and, threat and who where's our defense force out fighting plants oh yeah 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 and avar right. chris is engaged in a conflict uh, a, a war with the drenger drengir on milatu like with like half the Jedi Order, sixty percent of the Jedi Order. Right. I, let's spend some time. So T Tune's actually a, a male. Sorry to. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. it's a guy. Sorry about that. It is a dude. I just I had to double check it, but um, yes. So like his introduction is like he's kind of a jerk. He's like yeah. this. He they comes off as like a warmongering, like no tact, you know, senator that's just like you know, we'll, we'll just, just totally obsessed with making this like defense force. And the way I understand it is that like, they don't want to like Sullis doesn't want to build their own, you know, fleet. They want to spend the taxes of the galaxy in Sullis at the source of corporation to build a defense fleet for the galaxy. But like he wants a contract. So it, it seems like, well, you just want to make money out of this deal. Like you're just trying to get it like a government, like military contract. So it's like, you know, at first you don't love this person, but I, I talked to you, Grant, at some point, And when I like was only a quarter of the way through and you're like, they're like, why won't anyone listen to Tia Toon? Yeah. 
I was freaking out, man. I was like, I know this was, character has it nailed dead to rights. Like I, it, yeah. they just recovered from a, the hyperspace disaster, and I then they want to unify going. the galaxy. Not wrong. Yeah. Not wrong. And then <laughs> yeah. it cuts, and then like I guess fifty chapters later, it's Chancellor So just after she's being horrifically injured. Obviously, the fair. We've set it, we've set this up in the overview. The fair, you know, everything. The, the the Nile ambushed the fair, and it's this massive attack, and it's uh, it's just it's just traumatizing and uh, brutal, and uh, uh, and Chancellor So gets uh, gravely injured. Right. And, yeah. Uh, and she's like, "This is all my fault," and it's like. Yes, if it is. We just listened to Tia <laughs> uh-huh. Tune like early in this book, and this is all. I was thinking this for like the four. I was in suspense, just being like, "Why? Wait, this character is voicing some reason here. Like, what's going yeah. on here? I didn't, I didn't understand." And then I guess you think this character is somewhat duplicitous because it, Tia Tune's doing a deal with, uh, he's doing a deal with um, Mentessa or something with the yes. fire, and you just feel and like this is another right political of, kind of schism. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah it still ends up on the right Jedi side too. Like, yeah, he, it's yeah. a great moment where he's like, I don't dislike the Jedi. I'm not against the Jedi, but the Jedi can't do this for all of us. That's not their role. Yeah. So th- I have the quote here. It, yeah. Because um, he was he interacted with uh, Stellan Geos. I meant what I said, Master Geos. We are allies. I just wish for the Republic to stand on its own feet from time to time, especially following the events of Hetzel. You, you do understand that, don't you? And like that, I mean he's got a really good point, you know, especially in the wake of a terrorist attack. I mean, it's easy. I'm an American, like whatever, like we have a super strong defense and like all our, like all of our taxes go towards it and it gives you a sense of security. But like, I don't know. I don't know if that's by making me more biased, but it's like, you should, they should be able to, to protect, you know, the galaxy to have some order there. Otherwise, why are you having a Republic in the first place? He does staunchly believe there needs to be an army though. Yes, which is yeah. pretty cool. I was like, oh, this is great setup for the prequels and obviously all the context yeah. we know later on. But um, yeah, this character basically says, uh, 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 I'm not so entrenched in my views that I'm not blind to the needs of the Republic or Republic I love. And then Stellan couldn't let the moment pass without at least asking, and the DFP? And Tia Toon says, it uh, is still necessary as far as I am concerned, but until such time as the Republic catches up with me, I will do everything I can to assist you and the Chancellor, as yeah. I always have. So yeah. Tia Toon, staunch on the army, like really wants the army. It, really wants the army, but still very much loyal to the, to the Republic. I, I think, right. honestly. I, I want to bring this into the real world for a second, and it's going to get depressing for a little bit. But but I just, one thing, okay, hey, I love reading this. Here we go. I, I loved reading this because it was like actually politicians with separate viewpoints and opinions actually having dialogues and discussing right. and coming to, you know, some type of rational decision making. Uh, which was wonderful and feels like it's science fiction um, at this point. <laughs> um, the other thing is like the other reason he's not wrong because I had trouble with this too because I'm like I'm not a big you know personally not a big like we need to have a giant army all the time. But like you need some type of defense force if you've been attacked before and you're planning on holding like giant events. You need some defense force. The other thing is weird because your major defense force are a bunch of religious people so to me it's almost like if we gave the catholic if we didn't have an army but allowed the catholic church to develop an army right <laughs> and you <laughs> can argue a defense us. force comes together at the end of this book as well yeah. like you get the tagrudas coming through you get the cyclorians coming through you like you get all these aliens uh species yeah. and worlds uh working together it's, it's fascinating that would be an interesting way to do it like in a united nations of defense or like you know um that would be interesting if they sort of 
patrol different areas and that way it's like sort of protects sovereignty and it's not this oppressive force i mean because it's like it's, we have science fiction here this is great let's take advantage yeah. of it to really explore all right what is what would be a great way to do this um because one the one note i had yeah. in there too was just this actually ties to the sequel trilogy because mm -hmm. leah essentially leah um wanted to create a dfp after yeah. in in the new republic and um and she was turned down to like same yeah. thing like leia was on on tatoon side just later on and and mon mothma was like nah and yep. she's like okay i'll create my own like militia on the side which is again a very bad thing generally <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you don't want private militaries are very bad this, um, this whole thing makes me very confused <laughs> yeah exactly but you know under the guidance of leia um yeah, it's that's. A, I'm so glad you're tapping into this because this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. So this is but, this is the most compelling territory for some storytelling when yeah when sort of like church and state gets involved with figuring out how to solve certain problems, and uh, what's I, at the is towards the end of this book when Chancellor So is injured, she has a conversation with Stellan, where she's like, "Make them pay." Like the galaxy is watching. Like strike them down basically and yeah. like, in like a really crazy like way and i was yeah. like where was i want this with luke in the new republic this is what i wanted with new yeah. luke luke skywalker i wanted this with luke skywalker in the new republic and leia in her compromising position of being a general or a politician in that stage and being like hey we need you to like stomp these imperials out these remnant people out like they're bad and yeah. but he's like a stoic and he thinks like justice for people even who for people who have even done bad things and things like that so right. he's like and that's 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 so that's, interesting to me. This that's is Stellan's fall because he's totally yeah. going to do it because he's racked with guilt. Yeah. After, okay. After everything. Fantastic. I'm on, I'm on board for Stellan's yeah. fall. So what's interesting to to build off that and, and Ben, what you said, like, so the New Republic falls because it doesn't have a strong enough army. The right. Republic falls because it has too strong of an army. Right. <laughs> right? right like it's really fascinating right like it's it's really making this argument over these last couple of movies to be like yeah yeah you need an army but you need an army that's separate like we have with the joint chiefs of staff because thank god we had them because they had a plan in mind <laughs> right <laughs> in case you know someone decided to try to become a dictator but um you know you just right. it's just really interesting about yeah she about says bring these of... villains to justice she says mm -hmm. uh oh yeah this is great so she says and we allow them to come with our complacency with our arrogance so turn back to stella in her face grave master geos from this point on you have the full resources of the republic at your disposal intelligence security whatever you need please will you bring these villains to justice and in that moment i think he thinks violence i think he in that moment is thinking oh she wants me to basically yeah yeah. yeah but doesn't so, he have a line after that where he's like that's yeah. not really what we do yeah he yeah he says he says i will consult the council and um and he's like the jedi are not warriors nor should we ever be he's right very pacifist should... and and at this and when he says that i was like but the whole culture is built on being a warrior and a peacekeeper through arms if necessary but obviously right disarming if possible you know what i mean it's yeah it, yeah it's so, it's really interesting. I don't know. It's about defense, right? But yeah. you know, but I mean we know like it's built off samurai culture and samurai culture is built off of, you know, Shintoism and it's the hierarchy and like that was just it was just it was enforcing law really with yeah. with katana, but 
and then Elzar kind of, and then you get that heat of the moment stuff with Elzar as he's fighting. Obviously, the, the Republic Fair gets crashed by the Nile and they attack in droves. And uh, El, you get the Elzar moments, those like heat of the moment moments with Elzar where he's fighting these Nile, and you're just like, it's like this is like they're killing people as fast as possible. It's even stated in the book. They're like they're yeah. they're just trying to cause as much damage as possible. They're basically dropping out of hyperspace in Atmo and blowing up. Like they're yeah. it's, they're unstable. How they're attacking is in a very unstable way where it's just it's just there's so much destruction. Yeah, right. Um, On it's top terrifying. of poison gas clouds and noise yeah. droids, <laughs> which is like really kind of interesting and terrifying. Can you imagine it, just like. Terrible. I felt like mustard gas. I felt like almost like the people's skin were getting like damaged. Like, yeah. like Elzar and Stellan were getting damaged by the gas to the point where they were like, I deserve these scars. I was like, yeah. this is really dark. Like, if you want to read a really dark kind of exploration of Jedi in combat. Yeah. Welcome to the High Republic. We High talked Republic. about like, what are the Jedi afraid of? Right. And this is clearly and we talked about this chaos. Right. It's the yeah. opposite of order. And that's what we're seeing here, because like. Even the Sith, they can understand. I really think a Jedi can understand a Sith because a Sith is just their dark side. They want power, 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 power. These are creatures that they don't really know yet. They don't know. They don't really know what the what the order is of the Nile. But all they see is this is these sacrifice, just, you know, blowing people up, just ultimate carnage for carnage's sake. It seems like at this point, that's so powerful about the Nile. That's what's so elemental about them is they represent the nothingness and Mm -hmm. the nihilistic belief system where it's like, hey, let's just destroy everything uh, anarchical, you know, destroy everything around us because the galaxy wasn't made for us. Or they're, they're definitely they're also the disenfranchised people of the galaxy. That's explored in this story, too. And it's I mean, like the mirroring to what's going on in this country and like around the world is it's fat. Like this book is honestly touching on some kind of social commentary that I don't think even movies are touching on in a lot of ways. It's because of the scope. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and, and sort of drawing in all these factions and, uh, and uh, it's just dark. It's just really sad. And it's actually what's happening in our world right now. in, in right. I guess a far smaller scale, but in, in, in these kind of um, uh, horrific events that happen now and again of just, really you know disturbed individuals who are outside the fold who are basically homegrown you know um monsters and wreakers of havoc and it's just kind of like that's that this book explores all of that and it's really it's really like a really deep study of that i would say right because and, uh, it, and they're just getting to grips and the, the the jedi have no grip they have no waypoint they have no doctrine they have no blueprint on how to deal with yeah. like pure terrorists. Like, and when I say all of that, I mean, it's like the dark night and the dark night rises. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like so that's what, I mean. what do you do with people who just wanted to watch the world burn? And like, they're not yeah. prepared or capable of killing one to save thousands. They just won't. There was even like, there was one, like there, there were people falling off one of the islands right. and, yeah. you know, and they ended up saving a, uh, a Nile. And the Nile ended up killing Mikkel Sudmani. Yeah. Like one of the Jedi because they they saved him. And he was like, no, I'm just going to kill you and take you down with me. They all knew it was going to happen. And they just, but they're like, no. And over and over again, there's like, well, like when they, um, the the greatest Jedi master we learned about in the suit, the um, Yurg, I can't remember. Uh, Or Berlin. Or Berlin. Berlin. And um and the uh, reporter when they were dealing with stuff like Orbelin could have killed Lorna. Dave. Real real Dyro, I think is the reporter, which was so cool to see real these media Dyro. characters. And we even get an anchor in Galaxy yeah. here. Yes, we yeah, do. Correct. And Someone's, has uh, a lobot uh, cranial 
thing, it seems like, are very similar. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah. He's right. got nothing on Grex, that's for sure. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so, like, you know, Orbelin could have just killed all of them, and, like, it would have been, you know, and, and saved it. And, like, he could have killed Lorna D, even though Lorna D gave him a run for his money. And yeah. the, uh, that other slug monster, uh, who was great as well. But, um, yeah, and they just don't do it over and over and over again. So that's my question to you. Can the Jedi successfully fight the Nile without tainting themselves? Doesn't feel that way. Right? Like, their methods don't work, but the methods I, that I would work they, I think are they not can. light With side. characters like Elzar Mann and Benestra Rowe, I think you can. Uh, these characters are characters who tap into the dark side and are able to still find them, bring themselves back to the light or, 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 yeah. or find some semblance of control after the fact. I think you need those Jedi, those Jedi who are willing to give up part of themselves to the dark side. Is that why we end up with Jedis in brown robes 200 years later? Right. It's, it's not the white and gold. It's like right. They, have to like be they realize dark. they're not this. They're not pristine. Right. They realize they have to get in the muck a little bit. Right. And the then, great Jedi are the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Who knew yeah. the Jedi Order we met in the prequels were the great or the great Jedi. Welcome. But talking about the prequel stuff, and I think we're, we talked about, you know, will there be more connections between this? This totally makes sense to me now because Yoda at the end of episode two is always weird to me that Yoda's just like, OK, cool. Let's just use these art, this army that we don't know anything about that's been bestowed upon us. <laughs> yeah, I think most but he lived weird. through this. Right. If he lived through this and saw what happens without an army like it almost makes sense that yoda is just like this is even his blind spot where he's like we need this i i lived through what happened when we didn't have support and right. it was a, it was a slaughter yeah it was a nightmare i mean I, I think that would be the superpower that jedi could bring would be to look inside the force and know when to kill and when to not yeah and and they need to figure that out soon because their yeah. numbers are dropping they're getting corrupted there's all sorts of terrible things happening there um, so that the fair goes terribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair turns like, into Jurassic for, like, for like 200 pages. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just it's terrifying to read. And um, and just to hear just the scene, just the, the atmosphere is. Uh, it's shocking. Yeah. Also, so I listened to this. I, I read and listened to this. I went back and forth a little bit. But when I was listening to it, as we've talked about with with the audiobooks, there's high production value, a lot of sound effects. And it is tense listening to that like middle third second. Isn't there, third there's someone book. yelling for their mom at one point. Like, like yeah, Saving Private Ryan. You're all like, you hear in the background is like right screaming and laser yeah. blasts and <laughs> Duel the Fates playing over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, it's like I like doing dishes, like <laughs> having a nervous <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Stella and Geo's just weeping. Just like immobilized. Yeah. We get that great image of Stellan Geos like weeping, holding the like oh, broken body yeah. of Chancellor oh. So. Yeah, super yeah. powerful. That's why she's like bring them to justice because she's like the whole galaxy saw us just like broken, and like yeah. you need to go take these people out and I make. Was... And Quest of the Jedi, I guess, is the next phase. So I'm guessing Quest of the Jedi is like root out the Drenger in the Nile and just like bring them to an end. I don't really guess. They were able know. to find the secret base, which was I thought was impressive. Yeah. Well, that was just one of. I mean, it's still not um, no space. It's it's only Grizel. Right. But a secret base. I thought a I was like, okay, base, here yeah. we. You know, I want to see. Like, I love the fact that the you know um, antagonists are formidable in this book and in this whole like 
series of higher public media, but it's like, I just want to see a couple dubs for the, for the good guys. But I just know I'm like always waiting for the other shoe to drop in these stories. It's like, I don't know. That's not really a criticism. I, Elzar like, gave me all the dubs I needed in this. He was like, well, he did. Ride a, a, he did ride a dragon. Like, and it was just like, I he's like, I have sure. to just take these people out. Like, I can't be a Stellan. We're like, yeah, I'm fighting a Trandoshan who has no arms and like trying to headbutt me. Like, I have to just take people out. Yeah. And then he feels bad about it because he used the dark side to throw an island through yeah. a starship, which is awesome. Yeah, it was incredible. Yes. And then he's like, he's like, I should feel tired after that. But I'm like, but energized. energized. <laughs> I'm like pumped. I was like, yeah. oh, I was like, I was like fist pumping after that chapter. I was like, let's yeah. go, Elzar man. He's going to maybe Elzar man's got awesome it right. Like, maybe you got to feel, you know. Yeah. You got to get a little, yeah, you got to like balance out when you're going to use great power, right? Like it's oh. got to be all your emotions kind of aligned to use the ultimate power, whatever that is. Yeah. Move islands. Move these floating right. islands that are basically described early in the book, which are it's so cool. And the fair is described. It's like, yeah, it's all these floating like, islands and they're all like dedicated to different planets. So like very Disney like, world. This is, I was like, this is very Disney world. I was like, this is exactly where like I want to be. Like, it was actually just describing exactly where I want to go first in the star Wars galaxy, which is like a fair on a planet that has all these floating islands. that are dedicated to other planets. And I could just learn about all the cultures in one place. I was like, this is great. This is I'm great. Going- but they decide to cage monsters. Right, there's like yeah. a zoo, there's like a zoo platform or whatever, and I was like, oh really? Okay. Of like, and then the, the Sandovals are like, but turn out to be clutch. Like they need to ride those things that are to fly. I'm, like, I'm trying to think of what an equivalent would be in Earth, but like I, I can't think of like Jurassic in, Park. Yeah, Jurassic Park exactly. Like right. in, in like I guess like I guess real world would be like if you put like a I don't know a grizzly bear and cocaine in in a, <laughs> in a cage in a zoo and be like ah what's the worst that could happen? Right, right, like. Yeah, it's like every apex predator across the galaxy, which is you shouldn't cage those animals in the first place. And secondly, you should never have them anywhere near other yes. you know, living beings True. that don't want to be food. So, Grant, uh, you'd mentioned uh, phase two, Quest of the Jedi, which is yeah, going to be the next that's right. three books. I Part of me wonders if the Nihil actually make it into the second part of this. I, because we've we've talked about it opens up with dark side stuff. We know, we know that there are Darths running around this time. There has to be. There are. We just know there are. The rule of two is in effect at this time. When, when did um, Bane's rule of two go into effect? Remind me. Was it a thousand years before? I thought that? it was a thousand years before. A thousand, right? Uh, Aroundish. Okay. Or PBY, sorry. Yeah. And we know that we know that um, Leslie Headland's uh, Acolyte series is going to deal with that stuff. So right. So they're there. Yeah. We have to know it has to happen behind the curtains, right? Because, because maybe, they can't maybe, really be aware. Maybe the Sith inherit the path technology. Because I'm thinking we might get the hyperspace war after these books. I and mean, like everyone might fight over all these path, this path technology. The path we're already seeing this in the comics too. They're already like looking for this technology that deals with these these yeah. paths. And I was like, oh, if the Sith use the paths, then that that would be a, a that would be a strong reason for why they've been able to stay secret for so long. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. 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 I'm wondering if Marcion Rowe is not just a patsy for the Sith, that they're pulling his strings behind the scenes that we don't know about. I don't know. I mean, it seems like his strings are being pulled by um, what is it, Moira Santeca? Is that her name? Mari. 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 Sorry, I just 
is thinking about it's creek like <laughs> yeah. that's what mars and becca looks like she's in an amazing oh, now, she's very, she's now, very matter of fact she's like every time hey how's it going yeah i'm over here you can't see me i'm in the bridge yeah uh, uh she she's... plays a part in here that's great she helps out poor loden great storm who can't catch a break apparently yeah, she's talking but, to him throughout the book, which is fun. I was like, "This is great." Yeah. And she's, and then she says, "There's all this foreshadowing with that character." You don't, I don't know how deep you want to like I mean, go into her foreshadowing, but she's like, she foreshadows what happens in the book, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, well that, and then also she said, you know, foreshadows the whole bells that are for arriving at some point and all that kind of stuff. And uh, really different from what I thought was going to happen in this book. I really thought the Nile were going to find a way to like use load and gray storm as like a tool of destruction like that's yeah. really what i thought light of the jedi yeah, was setting 100%. up and then i thought what would have been fun and i heard like inklings that this tyoric character was going to be in this book and so i was like oh are they gonna like have load and gray storm be this like rogue jedi who's like killing people around the galaxy and then they blame like tyoric and the jedi don't trust tyoric and like this whole <laughs> intertwined plot of like like there's a there is a dark jedi out there but like oh it's not i love it, it. Yeah, I was like, I thought that's what the book was going to be. We did not yeah. get that. We did not get that. It was a disaster. I like what we got. But we story, which was which is that. fun. The first book was a disaster yeah. story, very large scale. So, if you're not going to have a Death Star, gotta have a great disaster. You know what I mean? Like a big, big yeah, an piece. epic disaster. And I, I like, hey, it's a fair that got crashed. Uh, so one character we haven't talked about yet is Bell Zetafar. Um, not to any extent, but he plays a massive role in this book. Uh, First of all, his relationship with uh, his charhound is yeah. the kind of the cutest thing. Ember, the, it's Ember. kind of the cutest thing in Star Wars. Um, I love who, uh, like who that. takes a liking to Stellan Geos in this book at one point, and it was yeah. such a charming scene uh, to see Stellan Geos deal with. Yeah, uh, Ember. right. You know how Bell, not really you know Bell and, and Ember are attached, but it was cool to see scenes with Ember and other people, other characters, and I thought yeah. that was. Is it you dynamic that's like hasn't been used in Star Wars yet? And I think it was used beautifully here. Yeah. Have you looked up a picture of a charhound? I yeah, have. It's like a, a molten, smoldering kind of like like greyhound pincher. Almost over pincher. Yeah. yeah. And like it just it's it's only it's like its chest is just like lit up like a furnace. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and they can breathe fire and mm-hmm. which is great. Fight alongside side bell. Such a cool, such a cool like addition to the story. Uh, yeah, ever. another great differentiator there, where you have like a Jedi with a with a compa- uh, companion like that. And Bell's such a cool um, Jedi as well. He's a really good POV because he's like still a Padawan and trying to figure it out. Obviously, he was passed from Loden Great Storm to Indira Stokes, who we talked about earlier, and. Uh, and so he's like, you know, Indira's doing a great job, I think, as sort of like a yeah. foster parent. Oh, Tim. And Indira Stokes is an incredible Jedi master. Like they were they were probably like Bell had Loden, so we got to give him like a, a equally great Jedi right. master. And you get Indira Stokes and she's fighter pilot. Also, like just flipping around with lightsaber, just incredible combatant. Um, just right. really cool Jedi and like wise and uh I loved Indira Stokes. I thought she was a standout character. And we talked yeah. about Zetar. I think that's how Zetar goes. I think she cuts his mech suit like in half. Right. Stokes. Like Indira Stokes yeah. is the real deal. Yeah, she's a fighter. And and I think uh, Bell's a pretty good pilot as well. So it makes sense that he would be with her. He was actually sort of like talking trash and feeling the force 
early on defending the innovator uh, uh, over Cyclor and then gets a harpoon in the chest. That was, it was like, again, that was like that's High Republic. Crazy you know? like, sound. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, I'm on the force. And then he's like, he gets Ooh. a harpoon through the chest. Like, first of all, Starbreaker, like Panetta's kind of like Cloud Strike leader or whatever they're called who lead the yeah. smaller uh, divisions. They uh, attack uh, uh, Cyclor and uh, Bells out of Forest defending in a vector. And he gets like harpoon through the chest and like the cockpit. Uh, basically uh, shatters and like he's exposed to zero G. That's how yeah. I took it when I read it. And Zero Stokes, yeah, no, Zero no, Stokes, yeah, comes and uses the force to close his canopy and close him, and like the oxygen starts flowing again. And it's like he's like, no way, did she just use that level yeah. force power to like yeah. close as she's like cockpit. piloting and fighting like as she's piloting fight. and then porter angle we didn't yeah. there's a lot of love i have to give to porter angle in this story <laughs> i think porter angle is my favorite character estella maru porter angle uh like pre-tree vitar um avar chris like these are my favorite characters elzar yeah. man's becoming a favorite but i'm worried and stellan geos i'm also slightly worried about tyor yeah. is uh, joining the Pantheon. I like Tyork a lot. I think she's... Yeah. I can't wait to see what they do with, with her. Yeah. I like Orla Jereni, too. She was oh, uh, from that character. Into the Dark. With, she has the, like, double-sided hinged lightsaber. Yeah. Oh, she's... I don't know. She's out there. Cool character. They're, they're all really great. But, uh, yeah, for Porter Angle, like, just respect. Like, he's... Like, that is his name, is respect. Like, they're like, oh, he was a cook for a long time, right? But yeah. like, every, like those who know, know. Be like, nah. Porter Angle is. I, there was a moment during the, disaster, the attack on the fair where someone was like imagining what Porter Angle was saying in their head. I, I don't know who it was. It was either Stellan or Indira or someone. Someone. Then he yeah. says, and, and they're like, they're imagining Porter Angle saying, and now we save lives. And I was yes. just moved. The use right. of italics by Kevin Scott. I have to say, he, he had the best use of italics that I've ever mm. seen in a uh, Star Wars adult novel thus far. Just wonderful moments. Um especially that uh where where it's it's now we now we save lives and that really was powerful. I was like, okay, Porter Angle is quickly becoming my favorite character ever. He's like an he's an older Jedi, you know, from a bygone era, basically. Right. Yeah, because it didn't have Avar Chris to coordinate, so uh, Porter sort of filled that void there. Is cool. Sorry. Yeah. Um, sorry, I cut you off there. You're no, no, not at all, not at all. I was just, I was just, no, I was just saying this is beautiful writing about Porter Angle in this book that yeah. carries, I think, Charles Sewell's work forward in a beautiful way. Like such a beautiful connection between the these two writers, honestly. Like right. that's kind of how I, I feel about these books. I'm like, oh, this, it's a con great continuation of the character. Right. Well, I think we covered all the characters in this book <laughs> and have yeah. uh, done some uh, yeoman's work on it. Um, any other final thoughts, maybe um, wh where we think they're going with this? I know we've sort of peppered that in as well, but um, I don't, I don't know. know. I think we're going to see the end of the Nile in the next book, but not necessarily the end of Marcian Rowe or Lorna D. I just think we're going to, I think that, I really do think that's going to be conquered in the next book. Right. I mean, the Nile took a hit by the end of this book. I mean, yeah. they, they were on the rushed out again. They're on the ropes for sure. You know, they're they're down to uh, 
storm chasers. I'm still going to call them that, even though they're Tempest Runners. Uh, but, but this is not Twister. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, the High Republic. But uh, yeah, uh, so they're, yeah, they're down a few, you know, and I'm just really interested in the internal politics of the, the Nile, the Hill. Um, you know, Marcian Rowe wants to get rid of the, you know, sort of hierarchy and just make it sort of, he wants to be an authoritarian and he still has all these other agenda. I don't know why he loves the dark side so much and like why he wants to do this. I think, you know, I think you hit on it, Grant, when you were like, is he just a tool or maybe it was you, Adam? I don't know. Um, is he just a tool of the Sith? Because right. this is, I was doing, Adam. Very, was Adam. Oh, it was. Sorry. Yeah, Adam. yeah. Um, that's all right. He's doing very Sithy things. So, yeah. That's fascinating. I would love that reveal if he was like, I have to now go meet with the guy who or the woman or man or or whoever who basically brought me uh, into the dark side or the, the teachings of the dark side, because he seems like a dark side character. Honestly. Right. He seems like a sick yeah. character. Right. Uh, that would be great. I'd love to meet a Darth. That would be great. I can't imagine we're going to get through this entire series without running into a Darth at some point. Right. Yeah, that'd be yeah. fun. That'd be a fun character to introduce. Yeah. And again, I think they have to be behind the scenes. Yeah. And I don't think there can be any encounters unless those encounters don't end well for the Jedi involved. So part of me wonders if we don't get, you know, an Elzar man or a Stellan Geos discovering or an Avar Chris for that matter, discovering the Sith Lord. But if that, is the case i don't think they are live to report it right well it's a thing with the series everyone could die you know like i was yeah. like oh, they're just gonna kill bell zetafar in this book no. like it looked everyone that except yoda or yara poof i i don't yeah. i wouldn't put it past these writers to like include an element where during the uh attack by the uh the leveler like a figure or like a like a, a dark side figure appears and attacks people in the coverage like that that thing's destroying so many lives and causing this dark side moment that that character would emerge for a moment to like do something like i would love to see a, a sith character appear. Yeah. yeah yeah that would be really cool yeah um maybe we'll go to a grab bag here i've got a bunch of other things we get a Terra sanubi um we know he lives as well Master Sanube mm -hmm. uh, reference. He That's was in uh, Clone Wars. He helped uh, Ahsoka retrieve her lightsaber when she lost it. Um, uh, he's like super slow one, like Tortoise in the Hare sort of. Oh, right. Story. I remember that character. I like that yeah. character a lot. Yeah. So he was he helped out here. It was like a, a weird lore drop that they, they put in this book, which is great. Um, there's also such a thing as force lying. This is like another one of Elzar Man's sins is he huh. can he can fake lie. Like he can, he can tell him this truth, but he can like convince himself it's truth and say yeah. it. So reject it as honesty. That's a bad new, faith. Yeah. yeah. That's a new thing there. Um, any other ones that uh, jumped out at any of you or at any other in the grab bag that you were thinking about? Grab bag. Let me look at my book. Cause I have a lot of like post-it notes in here. Let me see what I got. Yeah. Check it out. There's one where they said the like, um, the Starlight Pavilion housing treasures from the archives on Coruscant, Deveron, and the Beacon itself. So, like, I love that Deveron of home of the Deveronians. Well, I want to I want to talk about Rosacen. I want to talk about the Jedi Council just before we end the show. Mm -hmm. oh, sure. Um, Good way to end. Those scenes where we get to see the Jedi Council during the the, the high point of the Republic, this, this High Republic era, 
uh, very cool. And Rosacen is one of the most combative, combative, like abrasive Jedi masters I've ever seen written yeah. or explored in like a Jedi Council forum. And this was, it was so cool to see the Jedi kind of butt heads. See yeah. Stellantios and Rosacen butt heads. I was like, this is very interesting in terms of the dynamic of the council. Uh, this is stuff we kind of don't see in the prequels. A lot of them like come to agreement very quickly. Uh, whereas in this this uh, story, we get we get a lot of like kind of an argument, I would say, a debate. Yeah. And then Yarl Poof interjects, and then Pre Pretree Vitar interjects, and then like these other minted Jedi masters and council members like it's so cool. Like just, yeah. just it's so cool. To, like the exploration of all these, these different uh, species. It's super interesting too, that we are not getting a ton of the high council, right? Like we get a little bit here and there, but we really are. They're just kind of not center, right? For these major fights. This does seem to be suggesting we're out in the frontier. What's weird about this story is that it seems like no one had eyes on this conflict until it was aired live over the holonet by yeah yeah um, yeah. yeah by the uh, reporter mean, character maybe the dark siders is clouding things perhaps well they shut down Can guys you... stop beating into the sit <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna feel like I'm spoiled by you guys <laughs> I didn't see this coming this would be a big rug pull. I it's one of those things where I'm like I'm really 100% fine if I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm I have no eggs in this basket. I have a feeling the Nile are going to be alive and well throughout these nine books if there are nine through three phases. It totally could be because they have they so many something that the dark, they represent something that the Sith don't represent, which is like what you guys said, just destructive behavior and believing in nothing that's like what's different about what george was exploring with the sith it's like sith desire power like this is a new philosophy i, I think it's fantastic i think it's a great setting for long-form storytelling yeah yeah it, i, it I really do cool. think i i, I want to say remember the like whiteboard that the writers had that we saw some glimpses yeah i think you know we saw like dinosaurs there which we got in this book <laughs> which is great um but they there was also like 9 11 i think was on there and I wonder if, like, the Nihil are just this, like, sort of relatively short-term terrorist act yeah. that, like, has these reverberations that carry through everything that really is, is the catalyst to destabilize a Jedi. And I don't know. I mean, it, it would serve two purposes. It would do that and sort of you could explore so, that sort of effect, it, long-term effects of terror. Yeah. But, so it would it would just be cool to see get a dub for the Jedi if the Jedi actually do defeat the, the Nihil. This is going to get too late, dark for a second. But if we are like, you know, layering on real world stuff. Right. And and if this first part is is the, you know, quote, quote 9-11 version of this, which I, I think it is. Right. I think I think it is major terrorist attacks. Right. Like yeah, right. like massive body counts. Yeah. The next stage tends to be minor acts of terror randomized throughout which makes people feel unsafe on their daily basis so i'm wondering if we start to get like sleeper cells or we start to get like the, these more minor acts of just nihil popping up randomly and attacking groups right as opposed to this giant coordinated attack yeah i don't know it could be it could be something that happens there yeah it could um, be more intimate you know mm, uh, mm-hmm. novel where you get lorna d panada you know, Marcion Rowe, like still alive, but they're causing havoc and doing 
dark deeds where they are. Yeah. And maybe one of them comes across a Sith Lord. You know what I mean? Like there's, you could do so many, there's so many cool kind of spin-offy kind of things you could do with these characters. They're so great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could really just do, we could have done this whole podcast just on the like socio-political like echoes of our current climate and what's going Cause it's yeah. like there, there's a lot and it, it's like, it's science fiction in that way, like political science fiction, where they're they're playing with a lot of these concepts, and we've touched on it, you know, through this podcast. But there's a lot of that there, and it's right. Real, there's like anti-intellectualism, like anti-globalism. Sure. And then yes. Where yeah. it's mm-hmm. all about stories, all about unity, and where there's a sort of galaxy where there's a disenfranchised fringe living in the outer rim. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really cool. Like it, it, what they get into the politics and what they get into is really cool. But it's also like highly, you know, just like uh, you know, disturbing and hard to read because you're like, this is close to what's happening right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true. You're like minus Jurassic Park, but yeah, <laughs> might as well minus minus sweet murder Jedi, hornets Jedi count. action minus sweet Jedi action and like awesome bad guy. You know, like like bio weapons like it's pretty cool like when you read the action in this it's pretty cool it's like it's a great setting for these stories like this is a fun action driven adventure i love these books so far yeah there's really too much to cover in here like it would i mean we could do another eight hours on this thing there's so much in here um that was fantastic i feel like we sort of did did the you know thousand we probably talked for like 18 hours on this yeah probably could um, we do know there's one thing like they Elzar wants to do like a pilgrimage to Jedha. I really with, yeah. with Stellan and Avar, but yeah. um, or at least Stellan. Like, I really hope that happens. That I'd better happen early Jedha, yeah. like in its prime. That'd be really cool. Um, one sort of weird note is at one point Lorna uses a path without Martian. I guess they have paths in their ships, right? I think he gives people paths. I have a theory this is all leading to the hyperspace war and the great hyperspace war. And people all over the all over the galaxy fighting for this intel on these paths. Right. Because we know I think Martian's storing the paths, right? He's trying to Yeah, he has the memory card or something. He has the the databank of the paths. With with Mari though, I think it's all connected to Mari Santeca, honestly. I think she she generates them, right? Like I don't is there another way he gets out there than she generates it through the force or something? Yeah, right. she just she yeah. just yeah, she knows it she's like a force navigator, which is really kind of great. Um on a super trivial matter, there was a line here where they say, hence the quarrel with the Quarren. And I just laughed <laughs> out loud at well written. Cool. I like when he was like, I was like, I feel like Elzar Man had like an internal thought where he was like, I'd rather be like devoured by a pack of like rag raghounds or something. And I was like, this is <laughs> hilarious. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, this is great. Um, great. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wait. And then there's one uh, a line fueled by the bloodlust or drugs or most probably both. Elzar didn't know. And for one terrible moment, he didn't care. Then the hill were acting like animals, and like animals, they'd be put down, which is very rag sites, rag sites, rag sites. Sorry, sorry. Because the guy'd rather confront a pack of rag sites or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, this is great. And then I just I love all the things that Kevin Scott puts in here, like you know, stars above and like mm-hmm. you know, Saber's Grace, like like the uh, 
yeah, I love that stuff. There's a couple new um, expletives, which I always enjoy as well. Uh, Katahdin Rosé, guys? Early yeah. on? Yes, please. Sounds Let's go. Refreshing. Let's... Is that a Galaxy's Edge? That sounds amazing. I'll have yeah. Katahdin Frosé. You can freeze. Oh, guys, there's a, there's a Fregosian Jedi mentioned in this book. What's a Fregosian? Yeah, it's that tiny like janitor in Rebels. I uh, not rebels. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, resistance. The oh, Star really? show. Yeah, it's that tiny, like little, like janitor, the Fregosian janitor. Right. The, the comic relief. I love that bit oh, where he's awesome. like always trying to like clean the hallways, and then like they're yeah. Like, nope. There's a. It's mentioned in this book. There's a Fregosian Jedi master mentioned. In this book. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, they really explore a lot of awesome uh, creatures in this, and it's pretty. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, why don't we call that one a pod? Um, we have a plan. Obviously, uh, this week we did not cover Bad Batch or um, or the Bounty Hunters. It's going on in the comic universe. We're going to catch up on that next week. Um, and then, yes, the following week will be a lot of Bad Batch recap uh, because that will be the season finale for Bad Batch. Um, and then... Uh, no... No, that's no. Right, two weeks. Two weeks from today. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, yeah, next Sorry. week we'll do have sort of a standard catch up. And then the week after that, we'll have, um, yeah, the, yeah, the, the finale, finale uh, Bad Batch. And then the week after that, I think we're going to do a deep dive into High Republic um, and catch up on all the comics that are coming out. And I think we'll have another book to review then as well. So, or two. Or two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we roll. But um, it's, you know, I, I'm excited to spend. I, I love these guys. Daniel just, Jose Alder has a book out right now. We're reading yeah, Race to Crash Point, Point Tower. I am yeah. pumped, guys. We yeah. this is yeah, it's so uh, super exciting. Last right, shot, last shot was still is still my favorite episode. Yeah, it's really good. Go it's back, the first is, novel we covered on the pod. Yeah, Adam. Cool. Like, yeah, that was like we started this pod and did last shot right off the bat, and it was. It might have been like Incredible. the third. It united us. That was our, that's the novel that united us. Yeah, like, it's true. Right on. Right on. Well, um, all right. Thanks very much for uh, listening to this review of Rising Storm. Um, it was a blast. And uh, we'll do it again next week. So have a great week. And may the Force be with you. Always. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Coreworld News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you, always.